Hey, how are you doing? This is Craig back from subdrinkingexpert.com. It's super early in the morning here, six o'clock in the morning. Uh, so if you forgive the uh, just woken up look, in fact, they look a bit like Zelensky in the bunker this morning, don't I? Um, anyway, I wanted to jump in and make a quick video because I got a really interesting email uh, from Barbara about what happens when you quit drinking, but all of your friends continue to drink. Does that make things awkward? How do you deal with it? Let's talk about that today. Now, if you've just arrived at my YouTube channel or my podcast and you're worried about your drinking, let me tell you, probably like 90% plus people don't do anything about it. They just kind of vicariously watch the videos, but never really take action on their own. They watch other people making changes, but they never do it themselves. That is absolutely the wrong way to approach this. Take action. I know it's scary. I know you're afraid. I know you can't imagine a life without alcohol, but I've been there and I've done it. So go to stopdrinkingexpert.com and sign up for today's free quit drinking webinar. Now, all right, let's jump into this email from uh, Barbara. Here it is. Um, it says, hi, Craig, I've subscribed to your YouTube channel. And I love your perspective on not drinking alcohol. I've been 1.5 years sober nice. Sober nice? Sober now. Nice. And was a gray area drinker. Over the last 25 years, I slowly progressed to drinking one to two glasses of red wine per night. I did dry January and just decided to continue not drinking. I recently attended my family reunion and didn't miss drinking at all, but I was asked to drink multiple times during our reunion. It was strange as my siblings made me feel left out because I wasn't drinking. My sister-in-law is undergoing chemotherapy for her recent breast cancer and was drinking rosé wine. She said her oncologist told her she could drink after her third week. She also said her oncologist encouraged her to drink to help relax. I couldn't help myself. I mentioned to her that zero alcohol is recommended, especially for breast cancer risk. I didn't mean to make her feel bad, but I felt the need to share what I knew. Anyhow, I'm going to hike around Mont Blanc this August with eight of my friends, and they all drink red wine. I'm good with not ever drinking again, and honestly, I don't crave or miss it anymore. I'm not sure how to be a part of these friendships on my trip. I have a sense that they judge me. They're awesome people and don't drink very much, but I know they'd like it if I join them. Do you have any advice on how to maintain not drinking with friends who drink and I want to keep in my life? Sincerely, Bob, Barbara. Great question. Difficult situation, right? Yes and no um, is what I would say to that. This is, a, this is kind of a problem for you more than it is a problem for them, Barbara. This is about your mindset, not their attitude. And I think generally what we see as sober people is we see our insecurities and our internal state reflected back at us. So if you go to a party of, in the mindset of, oh my God, everyone's going to judge me. Everyone's going to think I'm a party pooper. Everyone's going to think I'm boring. You kind of get that reflected back to you. You get the mindset that you walk in with. And I've seen this myself. If you go expecting a fight, you'll get a fight. But if you go with confidence, if you're centered and you're grounded and you actually are quite proud of your sobriety, 
and you wear it on your chest like a badge of honor and you walk into that room solid in your belief that you don't need alcohol to have a good time, you get very little resistance. You get very little pushback from people. It's like they can feel it inside you that you're so comfortable that it's pointless to challenge you. That's a great place to be. So the thing is, Barbara, you know, I, I always say this. I always say, if you want to know if your thinking is correct, change the substance. Because the Western world has a distorted view of alcohol. It's, it's, it's like we're looking at black and calling it white in the Western world. So imagine that all of your friends that you love dearly have this little habit of liking to sniff glue. You know, when they get together, it's kind of a tradition. They like to sniff a bit of glue. So you go along with them. Do you feel compelled to join them because they're all doing it? Probably not. You'd probably just be laughing at them, wouldn't you? You'd be like, why are you doing that? You wouldn't feel as though you had to defend your actions. You would feel that the responsibility for the defending of actions lies on your friends. You would sit there firmly in the belief that what they're doing is nuts. Wouldn't you? You'd be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You'd have them explain to you why they were doing something so crazy. At no point would you feel under pressure to defend your non-consumption of solvents, right? And that's how your mindset should be with alcohol. Not drinking is not weird. It doesn't need defending. So when someone says to you, why aren't you drinking? Your response should not be a defensive, oh, uh, well, you know, I'm just trying to be healthy. Oh, I'm taking a break. Or, uh, oh, well, yeah, um, maybe later. It shouldn't be that. It should be, why are you drinking? It, it's, it's that insanity that we've got ourselves into that creates this awkwardness. There is no awkwardness. You're choosing not to do something stupid. That's it. And this is, this is just about confidence, Barbara. If you carry confidence with you, this is not a problem. Because, um, you know, your friends will feed off your insecurity. Not, not consciously. I'm sure they love you. I'm sure they respect you. But they want you drinking. Not for your benefit, but because it provides social proof. It provides a safety in numbers element to drinkers. So they want you to drink because they don't want that illusion of safety shattered by anything. So they just want you back in the fold. And if they sense that there's any doubt within you, they're going to try and manipulate you on that. It's just human nature. I'm not saying anything bad about your friends. So the thing to do, Barbara, is this is just a non-subject for you, right? When you go into a room and someone says, do you want a drink? You say, ah, no, thanks. That's the end of the conversation. It doesn't need an explanation. It doesn't need defining. It doesn't need, you know, a big backstory. No, thanks. Any more than if someone offered you something to eat when you weren't hungry, you would just go, oh, no, no, thank you. You wouldn't go, oh, no, thank you. But you see, the thing is, I had quite a big lunch and then I had a very big breakfast. And, well, I'm trying to lose weight at the moment. And I just, I'm not sure what the calorie count of those is. And you just say, no, thank you, wouldn't it? It's not a big deal. Same with alcohol. No, thank you. 
Why don't you want to drink? Eh, I just don't. Anyway, how have you been? Yeah, does that make sense? Look, um, as far as this bit, you know, here about uh, telling the telling the friend with cancer um, that alcohol is carcinogenic uh, is probably you're right, of course, but it's not going to get you any friends. You know, they know this. You know, <laughs> and you know, your sister-in-law there. She said that the oncologist encouraged her to drink. Look. You know what they say, the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, the oncologist probably responded to a question like, can I drink? With, well, certainly not for the first three weeks, but if you find it helps you relax, then an odd glass after that is okay. And your sister-in-law might have interpreted that as my oncologist encouraged me to drink. Because as, as a species, we are, we are prone to something very powerful called confirmation bias. In that, we see and hear what we want to see and hear. So often, we'll take the slightest hint of a positive and turn it into the overwhelming majority of the conversation. And we'll ignore all the negatives because it serves our purpose. Now, Someone who's suffering with breast cancer is in a very bad place. They're in a very dark place, aren't they? You know, they're struggling. And they know that alcohol isn't good for them. They know alcohol causes cancer. They, they probably don't need you to tell them that. Um, and they've got bigger fish to fry, really. So I, I would just not bother with that. Bite your tongue. Um, is They're not going to go, oh, really? Oh, well, I better throw this away. You know, it's it's just gonna it's just gonna cause conflict, and it's gonna mean they're gonna avoid you in the future. So I hope that helps. So look, own it, Barbara. You're sober and you're proud. That's what this is all about: confidence. Walk into the room solid in your belief, knowing that alcohol is just not on your radar. You don't like talking about it. It's not interesting. It's boring, and you're not getting going to get into debate, debates about it. And if you don't like that, Tough shit is the message. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for the email, Barbara. A really good question. Uh, I'm going to return to the bunker now. Uh, if you're worried about your drinking, do something. Go to the website, stopdrinkingexpert.com. Final thing. <clears throat> A lot of people drink because of anxiety, whether they know it or not. Anxiety is the underlying cause of their drinking, and their alcoholism is a symptom of their anxiety. If you believe that's you, go to my other website, craigbeck.com, and find out about my book called Anxiety Lied to Me. It will change your life. That's all I'll say on that, and I'll see you in the next episode.